I wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink-ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top yeah. of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, is, is my fondest name. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with Wes Worsham and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave. For the love of the game. And I mow the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, brought to you by Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. My name is Pete Berthold, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Virginia Tech lost to UNC 41-10, to Robbie. I'm not used to losing to UNC like that. How are you feeling? Um, not feeling great. It, it was uh, quite a drubbing that uh, we took. I think, I think we were jinxed as soon as they brought the uh, the old the old team out that uh, you know had like stomped Virginia Tech like 25 years ago. And, right, and that right. that that right there just set the tone right from right from the beginning. For real, give us that cheers, dude. Um. Let's cheers already to rebuilding and uh, and the path that we have ahead, whether that's on the recruiting tra- trail or having some of the young guys and the freshmen, true freshmen, see the field. I think we can officially call this a rebuilding project for 2022. As we all expected, maybe we didn't know it was going to be this much of a project, but uh we we're renovating the house. We're tearing everything down. The cabinets are coming out. What started as a uh, repainting job is now <laughs> turned into uh, overhauling the entire kitchen. So uh, that's uh, that's where we're at, and let's uh, let's all be here for it. Yeah, here's to the home makeover. <laughs> yeah, that's like when I told my wife I was gonna put. <clears throat> a fire pit in the backyard and it was like oh i'm just gonna go buy like a 60 dollars fire pit oh I'm, I'm gonna grab a few you know pavers uh, get some bricks oh, i'm gonna get two tons of stone and it turned <laughs> into like you know hundreds and thousands of dollar project but the fire pit looks really nice well wow. let's get into some of the other games that happened because a lot of teams in the rankings lost it wasn't we weren't the only team that had a, a bad weekend how about pit for example ranked team lost to gt we had talked about that in our picks like well, GT kind of, you know, win one for the yeah. ghost of Jeff Collins. And, yes. And they did it. They did it. Um, incredible. I, I saw something today that just <laughs> I, everybody's so over the top with their comments. But <laughs> one of the Pitt writers was saying, this might be the worst loss for Pitt ever. <laughs> just, oh come on <laughs> i was like okay let's let's take it easy here. i mean we know Pitt is prone to those like stupefying losses yes. and also stupefying wins on occasion yeah uh, but at home against that team with the it's just it's it was tough for them they they have to be pissed yeah other ranked teams that lost included washington baylor arkansas a&m 
there a lot of upheaval right in the middle of the rankings. Kansas popped into the rankings. They are now five and zero and ranked number nineteen. Syracuse popped in. They're number twenty two. Um, they took Florida State spot because they dropped out due to their loss to Wake Forest. But it's weird that LSU is ranked. FSU is not ranked, and FSU beat LSU. Yeah, I guess everybody has you know one one. Uh standard deviation away from a win over everybody else except for the undefeated teams but it's just it seems it seems a little counterintuitive we also had nc state losing their chance at the big win against clemson and then um just to round out the top 25 uk lost to Ole miss and which was a a lot better game than i thought it would be yeah kentucky really fought in that game uh ended up being really close at the end but Ole miss pulled it off Bama is now number one, a new number one, but it's because Georgia messed around with Mizzou and almost lost. They didn't lose, but it was close. Yeah, that uh, that got dicey for Georgia. You knew it was going to end up turning around at some point, unless they could, you know, turn some of those field goals into touchdowns, which they did not. And Georgia, you know, obviously came back and won. To round out ACC news, BC got a win. They yes. beat Louisville, and you knew that BC was going to do it to somebody. And Louisville is one of those teams that just has these swings. You know, they look really good one week and really mediocre the next. And they had to go to Chestnut Hill, and we know how that is. Yeah. And BC got them. And then closer to home, we had Duke crushing UVA. Yes, the state of Virginia is uh, something. <laughs> at to least behold. at the P five level. At the P five, well, yeah. The highest level of football right now is at its lowest level in the state of Virginia. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. Yeah, the Commonwealth Cup is looking pretty bleak right now. Well, uh, hopefully there's going to be a few touchdowns in that game, but right now both offenses are struggling. Yeah, both teams. Yeah, I'm, I'm, the Duke is going to like run into the stadium. It's going to be like a WWF fight and like you know stomp on both <laughs> of their, us, take take the cup and run out of the stadium. It's going to be yeah. What is it? The Royal Rumble, right? Where yeah. the, the the new challenger comes in. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk quickly about P five coach openings because we had a big one happen. Wisconsin and Colorado just joined Georgia Tech, Nebraska, and Arizona State with a head coach opening, and that's because. Wisconsin decided to surprisingly fire Paul Christ, which normally might not have much to do with VT, but since we just hired Joe Rudolph off the Wisconsin staff, this could potentially open the door to some transfers our way. Yeah, it, it a very strange piece of news. You and I uh, were texting about it with Joe on there. I still haven't figured it out what's going on there, given uh, the kind of success most of the seasons have been while he's been there. Uh, so a little bit strange, but it could end up being very beneficial for Virginia Tech, uh, especially if um, Joe Rudolph wants to start making some calls to uh, some some players and specifically some offensive linemen that might be looking around. It sounded like Wisconsin's AD and whatever just were trying to get Jim Leonard to the head coaching role as quickly as possible and because of the bad start they finally had the ammo to like you know turn the the screw on the boosters or whoever to make the move and so they just went for it it seems so odd with how much success he's had um to fire him this quickly because really the only bad season he had was the pandemic year where they only played seven games so 
it's crazy, but uh, if it leads to anything good for tech, I'm all for it. Maybe even we get Paul Chris to pop in and do some consulting for us. Like, who knows? Hey, come on in. You know, give, yeah. give us give us a look and uh, and let us know what you're seeing. Depth chart injury update. Dorian Strong didn't play in the game. Chapman had to leave the game at one point, so we were we were down some DBs, and it it showed. Malachi dressed for the game, and he's on the depth chart for this week, but he didn't play last week. Uh, he's listed as the fourth running back currently. We'll see if he actually plays. Keller is first at the will position, then McDonald, and then Lawson now. So that continues to have a, a musical chairs going on at, at the will. And then Gosnell is touch and go after the shot to the head that he took at the tail end of the UNC game. So that's that's our injury update. But the biggest thing on there really is is strong because the longer he's out, the more the longer our secondary is going to look like trash, basically. <laughs> Just to get right to that or uh, the more experience these freshmen are going to get on the field. So that's, that's a more positive spin. Yes. <laughs> um, but it's, it stinks. We, we don't have, we knew we didn't have a lot of uh, depth across the board, almost at every position. And that was one of them. It's, he's really, a linchpin for that uh, that secondary. So yes, when he is out, we are going to struggle, uh, as we saw in this game uh, once again. We drop nine more spots in the SP plus. <clears throat> Currently checking in at number eighty-seven. Continues to dr- go lower and lower, <laughs> lower than I ever thought possible. One hundred and eighteenth on offense, which interestingly is a point higher than we were last week. I or point better. I don't know how that is possible, but. Um, whatever things are moving in and moving out based on last year so 118 is still essentially the worst p5 team maybe there's one or two teams behind us uh and then 35th on defense 30th on special teams i think we're ahead of we're still ahead of iowa that's good yeah i think so yeah considering iowa has if our offense is bad they have like the worst offense in the last 50 years of college football so we are beating that uh oh my gosh yeah, that's good. So the reaction line had a, a fun few calls. We're going to play those for you now. As always, remember to use earmuffs. Here are the calls. This is Pat, longtime listener, first-time caller, sitting here in Chapel Hill on Franklin Street with some sad Hokies. I hope everybody saw tonight what the real problem is. And it is not Grant Wells, and it is not the defense. It's not the rest of the offense. It is a general lack of talent. Watching a Hokies team that's allergic to making a play has three power five talents across the roster. It's just embarrassing. What was also lame was giving up three consecutive fourth down conversions to Drake May, especially the fourth and seven. Listen, guys, Florida A&M doubled the amount of points that we had today. I don't know what's going to get better on this offense, but the defense didn't look good either. Knew it was bad coming in this year, but had no idea it was this bad. Just unable to compete at every position. Where the hell do we go from here? Maybe there, there's something else going on. Maybe we're, we're, we're too predictable on offense. I don't know. It, just, it seems a little weird that we can score 27 against BC, but only manage 10 against a team with statistically a much worse defense. Who's the thought? The only positive that we saw tonight was that for all the Twitter haters, Jason Brown is not the answer. I can recommend that a good solution to the problem at hand 
is to get stoned and just swing in your kid's fucking swing set. I'm telling you, man, this is the best thing going. I am drinking a PBR right now, and I did a little chirping of Carolina fans on Twitter for the last 10 days because of how lame their fans are and how lame their football culture is. And everything that I did and saw today uh, completely validated everything that I said. I just have one quick question after today. Is it basketball season yet? Go Hokies. I really enjoyed the last one of that because the guy just sounds obliterated. (laughs) He's like... I just have a question for you guys. Yeah. It's just so freaking funny. Like, I want to use, is it basketball season yet? Like, repeatedly, maybe post it to our Twitter, just like stick it in episodes, because it's just, the way he says it is so gosh darn funny. Yeah, it is. It's great. The calls this week were both spot on and hilarious. It was... Um, we heard from Pat. We heard from Devin. Um, Pat was went to the game and yeah. was talking about the sad Hokies in Chapel Hill. That was kind of funny. Yep. Um, everyone seemed to talk about the talent issue, something we're going to touch on, and just the sloppiness of the play, the lack of tackling. Yep. Also, I posted this on our Twitter page earlier in the week, but the swing set, getting oh, stoned and swinging on your kid's swing set, that one was a riot. That was incredible. And I, th- I think... It- it sounds as though, and I hope I'm right about this, that he is actually out there on the swing set at the time that he's calling us because I think he is. You can kind of hear the noise in the background. So I think he's like probably just chilling in the backyard. Uh, kids swing set. What a good yeah, idea. Yeah, that's what I assumed is he's like, this is the best thing going. Like I, he's in the process of doing it. <laughs> yeah, I was, um, I, that, that is... Whenever I take my daughter to the park, I think about that. I'm like, you know what? That's that's a good way to cheer yourself up. Um, now I know. Sometimes swinging on a swing set is so relaxing. <laughs> yes, especially after. Don't uh, do it often, but it, it can be <laughs> nice and relaxing. Let's get into the game recap. It's not going to take too long. We made UNC punt on the first drive, and we kicked a field goal. Took a nice three nothing lead. That would quickly vanish as UNC scored on the next scored the next three touchdowns. Helped out by a Grant Wells interception at one point. We finally put up a touchdown on the two-yard rush by Wells. King had a nice run on that drive. But that was it for our scoring on the day. UNC added the field goal, moving down the field in just 28 seconds to go up 24-10 before the half. That was the second week in a row we allowed a quick score before the half. And in the second half, we didn't do anything. Jason Brown had to come in. He wasn't great either. UNC added 17 points. Hokies lost 41-10. I thought the story of the game was our total lack of offensive firepower, but also having no answer for Drake May and company. Yeah, I think that's right. So this is back-to-back weeks of uh, a you know a rivalry game, somewhat uh, more so. It's almost more so WVU than UNC. Um, our post game win expectancy was 0.5% against WVU and it was 0.0% against UNC. So we managed to go lower than 0.0. I pulled up, uh, yeah, I pulled up Bill's numbers just to check that out. So that stat is accurate. That is fresh uh, 0.0% against UNC. Um, We didn't have the penalties this week. Uh, 
we didn't turn the ball over and we still stunk. So there doesn't seem to be uh, much of a fix. The offense, we had a 10 points total for the second game in a row uh, against arguably, you know, one of the worst defenses in the country. And um, I think that there was another, Andy Bitter had a stat that uh, three drives out of the 11 that we had went for more than 20 yards. Right. And only two of those went for more than 28 yards. Yes. So it, it's, it was absolutely pathetic against that defense. That's what we need to keep in mind. A defense that Florida A&M, as Pat pointed out, scored 24 points on, uh, that was giving up five yards per play to Florida A&M. We had 3.9. We only had 273 yards in the game. I mean, some coward punts in there which I think Pry was doing, I think you texted me, just to keep the score down. Yes. Yeah, it was the fir- when the first punt happened. Um, and it was it, it was a fourth down. I think we were at the 45-yard, our own 45-yard line. And so it was not, it, it was not, they were, uh, the game was already starting a little bit to get out of hand. And he mm-hmm. punted, and that's when I sent you the text. And I said, he's just doing this so that the score you know, that UNC doesn't put up 70 points on us. And it's, it's true. And the second one I think was right in the beginning of the second half, maybe. Yep. And that was a, in their territory, I think, or just barely. Yeah, it was. But we all like, I I put on Twitter, like you can't punt there. You can punt there if you're trying to not get embarrassed, which is what we were doing. Like we were no longer trying to go win the game. Yeah. We weren't even trying to keep the game competitive. We were just trying not to get, Fully, yeah. fully just ashamed of, you know. But yeah, it, we already talked about how it was basically the worst P5 offense. It's basically the worst P5 offense in the country. I mean, 119th in yards per play, 118 in SP plus, like whatever. Let's talk about a couple, what I thought were positives coming out of the game. King looked good again. Um, didn't really get many carries in the second half. I think they were trying to protect him, but that's beside the point. He, he looked strong for a portion there. Uh, it was really nice to see Daquan Wright get in there yep. and play because someone we heard about in camp didn't really get to see him too much. And the same goes for freshman uh, Delane. He yep. got to play and played well, filling in for Strong and, and even for Chapman. Yeah, and that is arguably, well, it is the best passing offense that we are going to face this year. I think it's pretty well known in it's definitely the best quarterback that we're going to face. So that's not an easy spot to get thrown into uh, mm-hmm. and play against. Um, you can, we'll get into the defense here in a second, but um, Drake May is legit. I mean, you Dude. could say, <laughs> you can comment on our defense all you want, but to not recognize how good of a player he is and just the passing skill and you know he rushed the ball pretty well it was it was a sight to see so those guys stepping up in that in that spot is is pretty big yeah I mean we need anyone that can make a play on offense so Daquan Wright you know come on down like you're the next contestant like we we need you and I think he's going to end up getting a lot of reps I I, and why wouldn't you surpass the four games with him at this point? Like, yeah. to me, the whole idea of redshirting is important, especially for linemen. But when it comes to skill position players, if they can play right away, that means they're probably not staying five years anyway. Right. So, so just the odds of someone getting to five are pretty low. And here's the thing: 
if he has an injury or something, he could get to five that way too, like his sophomore or junior year. Yep. So uh, for me, get as many reps as possible because are we going to wait even longer? Like develop the guys that can actually play right now. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and yeah, I, and I think those were the only real bright spots on offense or, or did really you think that defense. the uh, O-line looked the slightest bit better? Maybe a little bit. I just in the sense that maybe Grant Wells wasn't running for his life on every single play. Um, but, he didn't get sacked. Yeah. And we only so, gave up one TFL before yeah. Jason Brown. Because Jason Brown had two sacks, yeah. and we only had three TFL in the entire game. So, yeah. so I thought they played a little bit better, but that defense is so bad, it's really hard to say. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I, I really struggled with this because there was the commentary after the game from the UNC side and the beat writers that UNC defense put together their best performance of the year. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm sitting there going, well, did they? Or is our offense really that bad? And I think it harks back to the comment that you made on Twitter we talked about last time is they have a lot of studs on, on that UNC defense and they talked about it going into the game that they kind of all just do their own thing they have a bunch of four and five stars that just want to be you know the rock star and no leadership so if they want to do some damage and they want to play good defense they can I just don't know how to diagnose or maybe a better word is evaluate whether they actually played well or we just stunk Um, and I think it was probably a mix of both yeah, I think that the UNC defense had a nice day. I think that they figured a couple things out. They were at home. They were trying to prevent a second hurricane game, even though the weather ended up being okay. And they came out and they played really well. And then once the momentum started to go a certain way, they started to like build on that. And so that's what happened. Mm-hmm. But it still doesn't you know, negate the fact that they were bad enough. We should have been able to put up more points. And they looked good because we are so bad. So it's 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 a little bit of everything. Our D got absolutely shredded. And we t- we already mentioned Drake May, but he is really unbelievable. He had five total touchdowns in the game. I said in our preview that I thought it might be his worst QBR of the year. Guess what? It was his best. <laughs> <laughs> Did not. Yeah. It was his best QBR. 94.8 for the QBR for the game. Uh, he's at 90 for the year. Like, he is absolutely being ridiculous right now. 436 yards total for him because he had 70-something yards rushing. And he had um, five touchdowns in the game prior against uh, Notre Dame. So that's back-to-back games where he has had five touchdowns. 22 had touchdowns on the year. Yeah. So do you remember how Sam Howell had the most TDs in the first two years of any ACC player? Yeah. It was like 40 and 36. He He was on fire. Well, Drake May has 22 touchdowns in five games. <laughs> like it's it's, it's really ridiculous. Yeah, it's um, it is a sight to behold, and it's not. Listen, he 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 did it against Notre Dame's defense. They have a good defense. He did it against us. It is not a flash in the pan. This mm-hmm. he is a he's a stud. Yeah, our tackling I thought was was pretty bad again. The secondary. Without Strong was just woeful at yeah. times, particularly before the half when you just had guys running wide open. Zero sacks for Tech. 
five hurries, so we couldn't get home. Like, that's a good amount of hurries, but no sacks. And then just six TFL on the day. UNC was three of three on fourth down. That's something our callers mentioned. Garbit, not a single stat in the game. Yeah, I I see him as participating in the game, but I didn't see a single stat for him. That's like what Barno was doing last year. I that's weird because Garbit's been pretty good this year, like really good. Yep. Yeah, it was it was rough rough to watch, and Josh Downs just ate us to pieces with yeah. eight catches for 120 yards. And <laughs> unless you're going to play on Sundays, you can't guard that kid. And when you put him out there and Antoine Green and Nesbitt actually had more yards. Um, he went four catches for 98 yards with the TD. So with the three of them, they just ate us alive. Yeah, they really did. Dax was solid. I, I would say that was one of the few good parts of the defense, even though he, he can't cover guys like Josh Downs running across the field and the other guys they have. But I thought he still had a strong game for, like, he was making plays. He had yeah. 10 tackles, 7 solo. So that's that's that about the defense. It wasn't a good day. UNC's offense is, is so good. And I thought maybe our defense would step up and stifle them because we normally play well against UNC. But I really feel like this is one of those games where you just sometimes you run into a buzzsaw. You know, everyone's heard that phrase, and I really do think that's what happened to us. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ross uh, is was another bright spot. Uh, mm-hmm. Kick kicker continues to deliver. It was only a thirty-eight yarder this week, but um, you know, he for a soccer player, he's a hell of a kicker. Do you think <laughs> Andy Bitter had that article too about him about how he was like, you know, never had played football and. It was a good piece. Um, after the game, there was a lot of despair on on the timeline. Uh, I'm not sure if you were checking that, but I'm sure you could sense it and feel it. It was it wasn't good, um, and I think a lot of people are kind of wondering. Like, I thought we would be bad. Why are we this bad? Uh, I didn't th- I didn't think it would be this bad. And and yeah. to be honest, neither of us did either. Right. Like going into the year, we didn't think we were going to bottom out this hard and finding the explanation for that is a challenge. <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard. I, I do not. I used to. I do not participate in the um, the Twitter sphere as much during game days. That that's for sure. I, I, I seek to avoid it uh, unless I'm somewhere I can't watch the game and I'm trying to catch people that are posting what's going on. So. It's hard, you know, if you go back to why people had, you know, let's hone into most people having a seven win prediction or eight win prediction, similar to what we had and what has changed in that the math that we had going into that, I think it is the lack of run game it start it really starts there we do not have a rush whatsoever so i think that is one at the beginning it started with an offensive line that wasn't producing very well and not having uh, malachi in mm-hmm. having Keyshawn king it went pretty well once that fell off uh right at the beginning then it, we had to rely on the pass game and the pass game Really, if this was going to even be a semblance of an offense this year, it needed to be the other way around, right? The the pass game needed to develop slower and had to develop behind 
the the run game that needed to be established early. It's just not it's just not there. Uh, so it just became very out of sync because we had a new quarterback. Um, we didn't have a ton of wide receiver talent. We didn't have a lot of depth there. We really needed to fall back, and the coaches wanted to rely on the run. So when that wheel fell off mm-hmm. right off to the start, it was all broken. And now you have an offense that it doesn't believe it has a pass game because it hasn't been successful at all. They were relied on to hold together the offense when the rush wasn't working, and there's no confidence. There's no confidence in the receivers. There's no confidence in the quarterback. There's no And, and that lack of confidence can decimate an, an, offensive, um, an offensive team. Yeah, and I think you make a great point because we didn't expect the offensive line to be this bad. We thought we had a solid starting five at the very least, and we had Joe Rudolph. And once that started to not perform the way we had assumed, it changed the math, as yeah. as you say. But online, there's a lot of talk about the talent because that's a huge part of this too. Yeah. Remember the draft, although our teams haven't been that good the last couple of years, we've put guys in the draft. And just last year, we had, what, three or four drafted but that didn't even include Trey Turner and Blackshear and Tanuta and Hoffman. And yeah. so like there was a lot and, and Braxton Burmeister left and Tavion left. Like we lost a lot of talent out the door and our best rusher hasn't played a game yet. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of address why are we this bad from that side of it and kind of loop back to what you said. There are countless variables. So one of them, what follows is, is not hard and fast. It's just my summary. We know that Fuente's recruiting classes were solid early on, and we still have a bunch of those guys in the roster. So even though our talent composite is low for VT historically, it's still higher than the Dukes and Kansas of the world, which was kind of creating an issue for me because I'm like, well, we have more talent, so I don't want to hear it's all about the talent. However, the real issue is that the quote-unquote talent is our three stars and four stars have been developed so poorly over the last four to five years that they're actually far worse than the recruiting rankings suggest. And we all know that when it comes to three stars, they vary wildly to begin with. So being underdeveloped is like being a two-star or worse. And the ultimate point of saying all that is, essentially you can throw our talent composite out because the guys haven't been developed and our last few classes were actually terrible from a recruiting standpoint. And so the quality of the players we have on the roster is just at a 30-year low and probably lower than a third of the G5. It's it's really that bad. People are saying it's FCS. It's not FCS, but they are not good, and it's due to Fuente's recruiting and developmental failures right now. Then you have the first-year head coach, a lot of unproven younger assistants, former G5 assistants that are all learning on the job, That's led to mistakes, which is the penalties, missed assignments, play calls, a scheme that doesn't fit the roster, a lack of identity, and that's all been compounding the talent issue, as I just explained. So the product you're seeing on the field, it's not solvable overnight. The rest of this year is going to be rough, and all I can hope for is that these coaches settle in and start to get more out of these guys because there are 85 scholarship D1 guys on this roster. I refuse to think that as a lot of our callers would say, that there's no playmakers and there's no talent. There are very, very few. But right now, the coaches are getting the absolute least out of these guys. And they need to start getting a little bit more each week. Yeah. 
I think there's one more part to your equation that I would add. Sure. And that would be the transfers that have happened. So there was this belief during that was very prevalent on the message board that this was, it was a fight that was always going on between what the hell's going on with the transfers? Because the transfer portal hit us very early. Remember, like we were the highest in the country very mm-hmm, early mm-hmm. on. We had all these people running for the doors. And there was all of this thought and the people that were still believing in Fuente and what was going on would say, well, they're transferring because they weren't going to get to start or they're transferring because they're not very good. And they're like, and yes, okay, maybe that was the case some of the time. But having seen what Hendon Hooker is doing now, I can no longer take that and knowing that Fuente ended up getting fired and like what he did, I have to go back to that argument and dismiss it more or less that all these people were transferring out. And let's assume that a third of all of those transfers were really good players that are people that maybe could have you know started when they leave. And those wouldn't be starters necessarily today. Those are the senior guys that teach the junior guys what they're supposed to be doing. It's a flow down, right? It's in like any organization, right? Like I come from investment banking, right? You know, the director teaches the vice president what to do. The vice president teaches the associate. The associate teaches the analyst. And when you don't have a good vice president, you don't have a good director, everybody sucks because then the analysts and the associates aren't learning from anybody that knows what the hell that they're doing. And it's a disaster. It's a yep. nightmare when you're missing that piece. So there was a swath of, of, of people that got pulled out and then some of them stayed. So let's say maybe a third of the ones that stayed or maybe less than that are ones that actually should have been starting, right? Mm-hmm. Now you have people that might have been starting that 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 shouldn't have or didn't teach and it just has this whole ripple effect in addition to everything that that you said as well. That's that's a really good point, man. And it's something I we had talked about that with regard to the depth, but in terms of what you're saying like you learn from the guy in front of you. If your team continues to stay young, mm-hmm. even if the guys that are leaving aren't all great, it, yeah. it affects the culture and the development of all the guys below you. So that that's a very good point. And prize post-game comments kind of reflect a lot of the stuff we just talked about and that they're, they feel like they're close and they know that they got work to do. And it's, you know, a strip sack here, or, you know, a turnover here or whatever. Um, and he's, he's doing his optimistic thing and he needs to, and he should. Yeah. Um, and everyone that's mad about like, not sure these coaches know what they're doing. None of us can be sure of that, but just like Sonny Dykes at TCU and Lance Leipold in year two at Kansas, we don't know if, if that's real either. You don't know what's real until three or four years in. Unfortunately, that's kind of just how it goes. Um, we had the success early with Fuente and it didn't work. And so maybe maybe the opposite will be true and maybe we'll start to see that improvement and a slow build. But I really, we just explained why we think this is how it's this bad because it is very bad and it is worse than we thought. And <clears throat> we ha- what do we do on this podcast? We try to explain it away. Yeah. And I, I think that we, we did our best there. Yeah. And yeah, who knows if those what those guys inherited is similar to what Fuente inherited year one when mm-hmm. we thought he was great, and it just so happened that he got a good deck of card, you know, a good hand, and he was he was in a good spot, and maybe and Pry is in 
a very uh, a difficult spot to be in, right? Do you come out and do a Bronco, the, Bronco? Where what? What did he say? Like, we don't There's have only twenty seven players on the roster that yeah. like, should be D one or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, do, you don't want to do that. So for if he if he's a decent person, which I think he is, which is I think good for the VT culture. I'm thinking about it from like being a good manager and good boss. It's really difficult. He can either come out and be very honest, which I don't think would be very kind to the people that are around and on that team right now. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't just say everyone sucks. Right. Or you can do what he has. So I I just take his comments and I don't dismiss them. I just kind of, I understand them for what they are and for the things that they can't be and that he can't say. One last takeaway before we move to Pitt, and this isn't so much a takeaway, it's just an observation to maybe make the listeners feel slightly better. We were overdue for a crappy year. I put that on my Twitter, but it's absolutely true, unfortunately so. 30 years without what I would consider a really bad season. Our only season with less than six wins in the last 30 years was the COVID year where we didn't play 12 games. Yep. Uh, you know, we we've we, everyone knows about the ball streak. Everyone knows how many ten win seasons we had and how good we've been. But every single team in the ACC has had two five win or less seasons in the past thirty years, except for Virginia Tech. Yeah. And most have had five and six, and even Notre Dame has had five five win seasons or less in the last thirty years. So yeah. the amount of success, while we never reached the highest level in terms of national championship, we got close and then we were way above par for a while. And then we were at par for a while, but most teams hit that three win. They hit that two win, that four win season. And we never did that. And we never did even did it twice. (laughs) Yeah. It's the, (laughs) well, for a long time, we were the um, high floor, low ceiling team is, Mm -hmm. is the best way to put it. Uh, But if you want to go for like, First of all, nobody's going to crack that top five of Alabama's and Ohio State's and you know perennial type uh, teams very often. Clemson's the only team that's really done it anytime, anytime in the last twenty years. So uh, if you want to do it, you got to be uh, a little. You got to deal with the ebbs and flows, the ups and the downs. You got to go LSU going undefeated and being world beaters to an absolute dumpster fire and firing their coach. It is, that is more often the case than it is kind of this slow churn of seven, eight, nine, sometimes 10 win seasons. It is so incredibly rare to, to be bowl eligible every single year. Like, and for three decades, Miami was pretty darn close when I was looking at it. Clemson is obviously, I think the closest in terms of the least bottom out seasons, Miami was pretty high up there. Even though you would think Miami, oh, they had some sucky years. They really didn't have many. Like they they even with their bad years, they're exacerbated because it's it's Miami, right? Like so yeah. it's like when they win six games, it's like, oh God, they suck. Yeah, it's a perception that they <laughs> yeah. should be elite uh type and there so no seasons really you know live up to what the heyday was. All right. I think we need to move on to uh Pitt, but before we do that. Let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. 
I think I talked about in the last episode the fact that they had the all DMV everything release from Other Half. They got a lot of good beers from Other Half that come through the stores. They also just have an incredible selection of seasonal beers, including your pumpkin beers and all of those stouts and porters that are going to be coming soon through the Christmas season. I already noticed the Christmas trees going up at my local Walmart. Like that, that stuff, <laughs> that stuff is coming fast, even though we just turned into October. But make sure you head to downtown Crown in Gaithersburg or Dominion Wine and Beer in Falls Church. They got a beautiful bar set up. Dominion has the outdoor tents with NFL games, college games all weekend. They got our stickers as well. Make a purchase at Dominion. You'll get a free two deep sticker. I think they have them at Downtown Crown. I still need to check on that. That's that's my bad to listeners. But I know they got them at Dominion. Uh, Make sure to check out those two stores all season for all of your beer and wine needs. For right now, Robbie, I need to know what you're drinking. I am having the two roads that I've had on here before, the uh, Juicy IPA, non-alcoholic, and it is delicious. It uh, seems to be uh, more readily available uh, around here, so I'm psyched about that. How about you? What are you having? I am also having a two roads, inspired by the fact that you had that one uh, last week or the week before, and this is a pumpkin beer. I'm going to be doing pumpkin beers, I think, every week this month, but... I'm drinking the Rhodes Mary's Baby. Robbie had this on the podcast several years back, I think. And it's a little bit of a different twist on a pumpkin beer. It's brewed with pumpkin and spices, but it's aged in rum barrels with vanilla beans. And some of that vanilla flavor comes through. But the nice thing is it's subtle on both ends. The the rum barrels and the vanilla beans, it's, it's low. It's like not very much. And it just gives the beer, a very smooth flavor. I think this thing's 6.8% alcohol. So right in that sweet spot for me, I really like it. And two roads makes a lot of good beer. And apparently they're making a very good non-alcoholic beer. I'm going to have to try that as well. But the roads, Mary's baby, I would recommend that this October for your pumpkin beer needs. And a fantastically clever name as well to go. Yes. So I, uh, I love it with the the pumpkin beer Halloween theme. And then uh, the playoff of uh, the movie. That's uh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a classic. Let's move on to Pitt, Robbie. Virginia Tech heads to Pitt 3.30 p.m. this Saturday on ACC Network. In 2022, Pitt is 3-2 and 0-1 in the ACC due to that loss to Georgia Tech we talked about earlier. They're coached by the most hateable coach in the ACC in Pat Narduzzi. Um, and they've had some injury problems this year. Their QBs missed a game. The running back left the game the tight end have has left the game all kinds of stuff across the d-line that's that's had guys in and out it's been an odd year for Pitt. they started out with that great win against west virginia lost an overtime game to a very good tennessee team and then they go out and play terrible against rhode island and then lose to georgia tech i'm not sure what to make of this team yeah it's been it's strange because it started on such a high note and they gave Tennessee, a pretty good run for its money and and how good Tennessee has has been this year and how well uh, Hannah Hooker has been playing. Uh, did not play uh, Rhode Island very well at all. Um, really didn't play Western Michigan all that well either. So um, neither of those games, they, they certainly didn't put a hurt on, on either of those teams they probably expected to. It really comes down to Keaton Slovis and what he's doing in the quarterback position uh, with those wide receivers because their running game has been has been good. Uh, they do have a good rush with um, 
Israel, um, Abed, Wakanda forever. Abenakanda. Abenakanda, yes. Abenakanda. Um, he's had almost 100 carries this year for uh, over 500 yards. He's got six TDs. Uh, Vincent Davis is their other running back. He's got 228 yards and, and a TD. I feel like they've been able to rush the ball, and um, now that we're going up against yet another former USC quarterback, our second <laughs> of the year, surprisingly. Um, Keen Slovis has been – Yeah, Keen Slovis has been – he's a 63% completion percentage – just under a thousand yards, but he only has five passing touchdowns and to two interceptions. So, and they're five games into the season. Yeah, it's everything about this offense is a little strange because their SP plus is very favorable. I think it's in the top twenty-five, like number twenty-two, but their yards per play is sixty-eighth. Mm-hmm. And Slovis, his quarterback rating is one forty-three. But his QBR is 48.8, which is just three points above Grant Wells. So, like, need I say more? (laughs) No. Like, he has been, from a QBR perspective, very average to below average. Like, he's not been good. And I I just don't understand why the SP Plus is this high. Maybe some of it's still based on what Kenny Pickett did, because obviously we know how explosive their offense was last year. But most of that's been phased out of the ranking so it's all of it's confusing especially with the injuries they've had up and down the roster they've got good receiving options in Wayne and Mumfield and even the tight end Bartholomew if he's if he's healthy um he's he's a really good player their offensive line is average 69th in tackles for loss allowed they brought back their entire unit but that's another area that's been banged up for them so they've they've been kind of letting guys through the line 88th and sacks allowed it's it's a pit offense. It's this is this is not Whipple and Kenny Pickett. This yeah. is regular. We like to run the ball, pit, but we're not explosive, and sometimes we're really annoying. Like that's yeah. that's what they are. I think it's ranked the way it is, and this is another way of saying what you you just alluded to. It is a very efficient offense. It is not explosive. It is just efficient. Hence the running numbers, hence what they do. So I think that does get rewarded in the SP. Um, It doesn't, they don't have a ton of, uh, I think their turnover ratio over, their ratio is equal. I think it's uh, six to six, Um, six turnovers to um, four and, and against them. So they, that's six turnovers in five games. It's not horrible. It's not great. It, you know, it's kind of, you know, probably it's probably better than average. So I think it's just kind of a slow, methodical, not explosive, just kind of efficient ground and pound pit offense. It's exactly what you would expect this year versus a com- it's the complete opposite of what they had last year. Yeah. Moving to their defense. 76 in the SP plus 42nd in yards per play. So this is flipping it on its head from an efficiency perspective. Their defense hasn't been good, but from a more traditional yards per play sense, it's been solid 59th in rush average, giving up 3.8, four yards to carry. Not that great for a pit team. You would expect a little bit better out of them, but what they do in typical pit fashion is 19th in TFL per game, 13th in sacks per game. You're getting 3.2 sacks per game. A lot of juniors and seniors on this defense. And as usual, the tackles are spread around again. Not, I don't think anyone on this team has more than like six or seven tackles a game. Yep. And they run 
like seven different defensive ends at you, <laughs> five different linebackers at you, all kinds of uh, DBs, which that was their worst unit last year was the secondary. It was awful. And this year it has improved a bit. Yeah, they had that uh, the safety, Eric Hallett. Uh, he's got a couple interceptions for this year. He's also recovered two fumbles. So he has four turnover turnovers um, credited to him on his own. And then they have um, MJ Devonshire, uh, who's in the secondary. Uh, he's second on the team in pass breakups to Hallett. So those two have been good this year and make up um, kind of the core two of their of their uh, numbers in the backfield. Uh, so it, they have improved uh, on that front. And it's a front they have. Uh, Cansey, um, their defensive lineman, um, I think it's Kalaja Cansey, uh, he's got three sacks and a really good linebacker. Um, names in college football can be kind of crazy sometimes. I can't say like almost 90% of the names for Pitt like when I was going through them. <laughs> they to, have like, a lot of weird names, man. I, it was um, Cervoci. Dennis is the next one. Um, he's tied with Cansey with three sacks this year and also leads the team in tackles. So they, it is a salty uh, pit defense and uh, it's always kind of salty up front and in the middle but this year it seems like they got some backhand help uh, compared to what they had last year I mean Devonshire is a cool name I think my favorite one is Bengali Kamara that is mm-hmm. a really cool name that's one of their linebackers but yeah you mentioned Savoka Dennis and Kansi Kalaya Kansi those are those are two of the big guys to watch out for in this one. Their secondary is kind of even most of the way around, sol- much more solid than last year. But Dennis and Cancy are the ones to watch. You got Baldonado and Alexander, but again, those guys have both missed games. So I don't know who we're going to see, who's healthy. I think Pitt is healthier now, but let's be honest. It doesn't matter for Virginia Tech right now <laughs> who, yeah. who Pitt's got healthy. We need to just play our own game and play better. Like, you know, forget the matchups. We just need to play with effort and play hard and try to improve week to week. Like, the line's 14 and a half. Like, we're we're not expected to win. We're never usually 14-point underdogs to pit. I think it's been a while. I think it's possible for us to play competitively in this game and win. But what happened and possible is much different than it actually happening, but we're going to pit. We never play well in Heinz field and which is now has a different name that I can't remember right now. Um, And it's a really good defense or it's a good defense. It's not a great defense, but it's still a defense that is going to give us a lot of problems. When you look at what UNC just did to us. I think it is one of those – I hate to say this, but it's one of those games that it's like just go up there and just play ball. You might as well just have fun and get like play loose and you have no expectations. You're a 14% or 14-point underdog. You're on the road. You just lost kind of the two you know big games that you had slated for the first half of the year. The, the, what the hell do you have to lose at this mm-hmm. point? You know, there's really not, you know, the fan base is kind of all pissed off. Some of the players are, you know, are, are obviously hearing it. You might as well just go and, and have a, a chippy rock fight with Pitt and have fun with it because yeah. there's, that's, 
But even if you, even if you win this game, you've kind of dug a pretty big hole for yourself. So you might as well just go and 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 have some fun and build some experience and talent around the team and um, some cohesion. I would feel a little bit more optimistic about a potential upset if Pitt didn't just have an embarrassing loss. Yeah. Whenever a team comes off a loss, like one of those reality check losses, like Pitt just did, they usually come out and play focus the next week. So that's yep. that's not great. Both Pitt and Virginia Tech are one in four against the spread this year. So something's got to give there. Someone's got to cover <laughs> that spread. I'm hoping Somebody's it's us. Like, it. If we keep it within two touchdowns, would you be pleased with that performance? Uh, after what I just saw with WVU and UNC, yeah, sadly. Yeah, um, I think I would too. <laughs> and here's the question. So uh, Pitt had 12 penalties in that GT game. So mm-hmm. what is your over-under for combined penalties between this team? If I were That's, to give you yeah. if I were to give you twenty-five as the over-under if penalties in mm. this game, you know, I, what do you what do you take in there? I'm gonna go under only because I'm I'm optimistic that Pry is helping to coach that out of our guys. Because we only had three penalties last game. Yeah. And so it's possible. However, the Pitt, Virginia Tech, it has always reminded me of like Giants-Eagles. It's that Northeast game kind of feel where it's just the worst game. It's always cloudy out. It's 7-3 to three at halftime. No one in the stands is having fun. Like It's just like, please, can this just end? I hate these games. And that's what this is going to be. Yeah. And so when you have that environment, yeah, usually it gets chippy. There's penalties. You, you know, you're not going to have a noise problem because it's Pitt playing a college football game. And like, if they're not playing WVU, the place is like half full, but <laughs> it, there still could be a lot of penalties. So I'll take the under, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. So we know, yeah, penalties are, are probably going to be a thing. Um, and, um, we have a Pat Narduzzi is definitely going to bitch about something within the first quarter or first half of the game. I'm pretty confident if we don't score more than 10 points, we're going to lose because yes. we've scored 10 points the last two weeks and we need to put up more than that. <laughs> Please yeah. God. That, that needs to, to end. So, um, and I, I really, I, I'll be also be interested to see if um, Malachi sees the field in this yeah. game. I don't, I don't, I don't, they're not going to rush him out now. I mean, there's, there's not much reason to, to risk anything with them. So, but uh, I am excited at some point just to kind of see him on the field and um, you know reminisce of, of what was at least last year when he was he was looking nice out there. One quick question before we move on to the picks: Is UNC going to win the coastal? Uh, yes. Yeah. I don't. I don't. That. I think their defense is going to continue to get better as the season progresses, and I don't see any. I don't see any sign of their offense slowing down. I don't even know. I don't even know who. Did you see the line for this weekend's game against Miami? No, no, it's got to be. I would imagine they're like well, big favorites. Right? I sent it over on the picks. Miami is oh, four yeah. and a half point favorites. Huh? That's like, surprising. isn't that bizarre? Yeah, I don't because Miami obviously just lost to Middle Tennessee State recently, and UNC has looked pretty impressive, yeah. and so that. That indicates to me, like, is that a Vegas nose situation? Like, is Miami going to pull off that win? 
And if they do, then all of a sudden they're back in this coastal race. Middle Tennessee is not an ACC team. <laughs> or or is it um, Las Vegas is just starting to do like the drunk kind of, I've lost a bunch of bets this year. So, you know, <laughs> if somebody loses to Middle Tennessee State, then I'm just going to take them the next week because, of course, they're going to bounce back. So uh, maybe it's that. Maybe. Maybe, but uh, that line, oh man, that's a stinky one. Let's go to those picks. Louisville at UVA. UVA, three and a half point underdogs to the team that just lost to Boston College. They Both these teams are coming off tough losses, right? I'll yes. take UVA at home with the hook. I don't like it. I took UVA last week and that I got buried on that, obviously. So... I'm just not going to pick UVA. How about that? That it's, sounds I'm fun. Not even, I'm not even picking Louisville. I'm just That's always fair. Picking, yes. How's that? <laughs> just don't pick UVA. Duke at GT. <laughs> GT, three-point underdogs to Duke. Vegas is riding this this non-Jeff Collins hot streak. They got them close against a, a very good Duke team. Uh, I'm taking Duke. Yeah. The, those I just don't find – those things to be all that sustainable over the long term, but no. you know maybe you can do it for a couple games. I just don't know that it's going to hold up for a while. So I'm going Duke. UNC at Miami is game we just talked about. Miami four and a half point favorites. I a lot of times when this happens, I I just go like that's so weird. I got to pick the one team that it's more weird towards. Yeah. But I'm taking UNC. I just I can't bet on Miami right now. I can't pick on Miami. I can't. Yeah. I do think this is a chance. This is probably a good pick for what you said last week, which is um, Drake May having his lowest QBR. I think that could happen. It could. It could. I think this is probably a good pick for that. But uh, I'm going. I'm going UNC. Yeah, and Drake May's lowest QBR would be like 87. <laughs> yeah, it would. It would still be. Yeah, you know, we would. We would. You know, do anything to have that. You know, right. lop off my arm and just. I was it. actually thinking about that. I was like. We have never had someone that has been putting up the numbers like that at quarterback. Like Tyrod had 24 touchdowns in a season, and that was like his best season throwing the football. Drake May's got five, you know, five games in and 22 touchdowns. Yeah, he had 10 touchdowns, in two games. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Next game, Clemson at BC. BC 20 and a half point underdogs at home. I, I only put this on here because it's an ACC game. Um, they just got the win. I'm taking Clemson. Yeah, me as well. I mean, Clemson just NC State put up a fight and they still beat them by ten. You know, yeah. in that game, it, they ended up pulling away. Uh, and Clemson's starting to click, so I, yeah. I think it's Clemson. They're they're clicking. the The only thing that is tripping me up is like Clemson just had a a pretty big win and now they got to go to Chestnut Hill. Not a great recipe, but like, there's no way BC is can be competitive two weeks in a row like that. Their their O-line is just so bad. TCU at Kansas. Kansas, seven-point underdogs. TCU's on fire right now. Yep. Kansas is 5-0. and oh, It's a big game. I'm going to take Kansas to cover. Give me a TD. I'll take them. Yeah. To cover. I think, I think the magic's going to run out. I think uh, game day is going there for for this. So, oh, really? Yeah, game day is going there. So I'm definitely taking TCU to wipe the floor with them. And, and <laughs> okay. So it'll it'll be one of those. This is going to be an amazing game, and then TCU is just going to rock them, and all the magic for Kansas is going to be over. 
Interesting. Okay. I feel Ten- some conviction with that one. I never have conviction in picks. <coughs> I I love conviction until it doesn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> Tennessee at LSU. This is a ranked matchup because LSU is number 25. LSU, two and a half point underdogs. Small line. Small line for the disparity in these two teams. This is another stinky line. Oh, man. I'm going to take LSU. I, I feel like they're going to get this upset. Um, Against. Oof. Like Tennessee's you, bound for this. You just have it out for Hendon Hook. No, I don't. I like Hendon. I like Hendon. <laughs> I just think that all this like Hendon is the the Heisman. Like Robert Griffin has been pumping this. Like, yes. He's the number one Heisman candidate. All this, and he very well might be right now. But like they just narrowly escaped beating Florida. Florida sucks. Like Florida, yeah. Florida isn't very good, and they beat Pitt. Pitt kind of sucks. Like yeah. I'm gonna take LSU at home. To, to win and get the upset over Tennessee. It is at LSU, so I can I can hear you on that. Um, I'll go LSU. I think you made a convincing argument. <laughs> I swung you. Yeah. All right, we're going to pick a Pac-12 game, Robbie. Get ready. Utah at ready. UCLA. UCLA, four-and-a-half-point underdogs. Not too much analysis here. I'm taking UCLA. They impressed me against Washington last week. I'm sticking. I'm not getting off the Utes just because they took that early loss against Florida. I'm, I'm riding, riding – uh, with the uh, the Utes till I die. They've been right good since. Yep. BYU at Notre Dame. It's an interesting game. Two independents going at it. Notre Dame is three and a half point favorites in this one. BYU, that wacky schedule. I, I know. It's crazy. I'm taking BYU to win. Yeah. Not, not cover, but win also. Yeah. That'll. This would. This would totally. It's. It, Dude, is that Notre Dame? Man, this will set the Notre Dame fans like ablaze if they lose this game. This this will actually be like a riot. I'm there for it, so I'm going to go BYU too just because I want to see this happen. Florida State at NC State. Last game we're going to pick. NC State, three-and-a-half point underdogs at home. They're coming off the tough loss. Florida State's good. I'm saying Florida State goes in there and – one loss gets NC State two, but I'm gonna take Florida State to cover. I'm gonna go. Mm, I'm gonna go NC State. Nice. Okay. All right. That's gonna do it for picks. We were trying to uh, not to go doom and gloom in this podcast. Maybe explain what we think's been happening, but uh, not dwell on on all the bad so much because. We all know how bad that last game was. It was it was a rough watch. No one had fun watching that. So, I'll tell you what. The uh, right before we got on here, I was helping. Um, there was a Virginia Tech uh, kid that reached out to me about trying to get into uh, get a private equity gig. Uh, and um, for those not you know in the finance field, it, it, there's not a whole lot of people that get into private equity from you know Virginia Tech and is thought of as an engineering school. So. Um, He's kind of looking for advice, those sorts of things. And uh, I got a text message from him right before we got on um, that he got uh, an offer for a summer internship at like one of the top 15 like private equity groups wow. in the United States. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough for like Ivy League kids to get uh, to land something like that. So I bring that up because 
it put me in a pretty good mood going into this podcast. Otherwise, I would have been shitting all over this team. Uh, so, uh, yeah, how about uh, that's that's the reason for my my uh, somewhat optimism. I like it, man. We did get an email from our longtime listener, Basil Safi. Basil, we will get to your question on the next pod. I apologize. Um, I didn't see it until later, and then uh, you know we just kind of ran out of time. But we will get to it on the next pod. Always like hearing from you. So you can hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DVT. 2DVT.com is the website. 2DVT at gmail.com if you want to email us any questions or anything. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And until next time, when we are hopefully celebrating a big victory, but I got to tell you, Robbie, if we win any more games this year, which hopefully we win at least one or two, um, I'm going to cherish them like a newborn baby. <laughs> That's... When we are, when we are, please, please, God, uh, let us, let us win. <laughs> yeah. But until next time, when we're hopefully celebrating one of those wins, we're going to cherish like a newborn baby. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.